0: Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 Podcast. Today's episode is about applications for the edge, where we really try to dig in on what will work in the edge uh, from an application perspective and what's holding us back from doing that. This is a topic that we, we cover a bit, and every time we have the conversation, we get further. Uh, we get more concise about what type of infrastructure is needed to build a real edge application and actually define where edge applications expect to work and, and where they don't. Uh, this one, we, this is a, like a lot of our topics is a, is a continuation on our edge conversation um, where we actually started uh looking at what edge applications really were and trying to sort of get past the idea of you know the sort of the the standard rote edge applications that we have and move into a little bit more future or a deeper subject on how the edge edge could work or what would really make sense for edge. And so you know I was hoping we would spend some time I I love the deep dives, but also some some brainstorms and pushing back on ideas of You know, this is really something that needs to be done on the edge, or if we could figure out how to do it, it would create a real um, forward feedback loop or in-situ processing is the way I describe it. So beyond IoT, the idea that I'm actually a self-contained environment doesn't mean cloud's not involved, but we're actually building applications where the, the processing and the sensor systems, the analytics are um, all in situ.
1: So basically just alerting and signaling comes out of that edge, nothing else, not a data stream.
0: I, I don't think I'm not worried about the streams coming out. I'm I've, I'm thinking that the feedback loop is within a, um, you know, some, and I don't, I don't know the number of milliseconds, but some, minimal proximity to that environment. Okay. So it could be that it's a geo or a metro area because that, that would be potentially fast enough. but you know the idea that we break, and this is what's key to me, that we break the current model. right The current model is every device I have is fundamentally connected back to the cloud, inter- interacts with other devices at the cloud level and then comes back to my home. Right.
1: Um, decentralized.
0: So, so truly decentralized. Um, and there's applications, I think. Uh, I, I can go get from the pump a little bit more. Um, there's applications, I think, that will only work once we start getting real um, you know, localized capability to close the feedback loop. So um, like real AR or generic uh, augmented reality in which you're interacting with devices around you. So if I'm, if I'm going to you know, build a thermostat that has no buttons on it or, or eliminate the thermostat from my house, which would make even more sense then when I'm walking when I'm looking at, you know, maybe this is wrong. I'm looking at the thermostat spot on my, on my wall. It would show me a thermostat and I'd be able to touch it and interact with it and, and take actions, but all that's going to require, that I'm interacting with the device locally. Um, from my perspective, the feedback loop in an AR system would not be tight enough, um, and maybe I'm just wrong, to give me a, uh, a useful experience. But I'm also assuming that it's not you know one or two devices in my house that I'm going to interact with from that perspective. It's going to be you know hundreds of devices that I'm going to interact with in my house,
2: uh, ultimately.
0: you're you're giving me a frown face, so,
2: yeah. No, uh, I guess the question is, do you want to include in this conversation applications that for any number of reasons want to or need to be designed for temporary or transient disconnection, um, either because of... um, Situation in which if hmm. for some reason, natural disaster, or what have you, you require a local, truly local operation. And that comes out of, you know, everything from being able to use the key fob to open your uh, <laughs> open your door yeah. uh, when uh, network connection goes down. Uh, help opening the door when when the power is out during a storm i mean how do you want to play that i my assumption has
0: been that sites would actually want to be autonomous with with cloud support rather than cloud support with a with a non-connected mode
2: i'm not sure i understand what you just said
0: so so what you what you described to me is a connected device that has a a disconnected mode. Right. In, instead of having an autonomous device that can can operate in a connected fashion.
2: And that was my that really was my question. Do you want to include them in the, in this conversation?
0: Um, I I think it's reasonable. I, I the the question that I have is: Can those connected devices become connected to a, a local a more local mm-hmm. hub instead of do vendor cloud X, um, which is which to me becomes an edge application or an edge platform in, in the mix of all this stuff. Right.
1: Essentially, so fun- building out uh, backplanes uh, network back. Or excuse me, uh, data back planes or data control planes—a better way of putting it—in um, multiple locations. So, like at the, rather than just having a centralized um, data center, um, uh, city and then home as an example. Is that roughly what you're talking about?
0: I, I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, there's a there's a vision of the future in my mind that has you know every house having its own
3: IT domain. Right, I mean, if we if we think about the, um, what some companies have tried to do with the phone, um, even with things like offline Google Maps and offline Google Docs, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, should we be thinking about the home or an independent business as a device environment, as its own um, platform, as it were, as opposed to the way most homes are being built today, where, um, well i shouldn't say most homes i don't know that for sure but quite a few homes are being built ad hoc some of it works with apple some of it works with some local provider so it's a multitude of potential technologies that equate to a smarter home as opposed to a smart home but i think a smart home i think a smart business smart manufacturing floor um, has to consider the potential risks of not being autonomous even if it's only for a period of time or continue through um, I think it's a minimum requirement. In fact, if I was going to talk about um, the single most important application requirement for edge, I think it might be that um, we, when That's you fine. make, when you make uh, think about the home, I mean, the, the richest example of the door fob is a good one, right? People got locked out of their cars when um, the server didn't work for um, Tesla for a little while. Um, right. You can't do that. Um, uh, when, when your heating and 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 etc is only working through your phone, and um, that connection goes down, and it's a super cold day, you can't do that, right? When when you have a store that's removed all but a, uh, you know a security guard and the manager, because everything else is autonomous, even robots filling the aisles with replacement goods uh, and tracking inventory, you can't have a network outage. Otherwise, the store is closed. And one store selling, you know, a couple of dresses an hour is no big deal, but Walmart's not going to do that. Anybody that's got any real revenue from each location is not going to not going to support that kind of activity. And and a manufacturing floor where I'm I'm seeing significant interest in edge, a manufacturing floor or shop floor of any kind can't afford to do it because once you get used to the idea of no injuries or um, a preemptive assessment of equipment that's used 24/7 in real time being off just doesn't work
4: and and we've seen a, a real life example of what happens when that autonomy is lost uh was it the 2005 or 6 that that great power outage in in the, in the northeast yep um i mean not a
3: lot of businesses were not ready for cash only that's right well, a lot of businesses now don't in, in Vegas don't even take it the alternative. They don't take cash to begin with.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to, to the discussion that again about autonomy and, and like being able to work locally, it occurred to me that IPv six would be crucial for that because you can't have an have, have autonomous networks that have their own uh, addressing. Uh, that might collide with another one once it once they they rejoin um,
2: the cloud are you clouds uh, are you talking about mm. basically self-organized or self recognizing networks or groupings of uh, devices at the edge
4: I, I'm thinking about loosely tied routing so let, let let's say we we, we New York City gets completely disconnected from the rest of the world. They still need to they still need to assign addresses locally to their devices in in order to function. When they reconnect if there are address collisions that will screw up with BGP. But if we use IPv6 where each device will inherently have a fixed address already then you can you can seamlessly transition from a disconnected network to a connected network and, and not have any conflict.
2: Without, without having to reconcile the, the conflicts.
3: Right. I think, I think that's but a great we, point. I don't know. And I don't know why it uh, took me to this thought, uh, this, this old nightmare, but reminded me of a um, virtual device uh, boot up storms and how <laughs> they would crush networks and, and hardware. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't see why that's related, but it just sounded related. I had to bring up the nightmare.
1: But does every device need to be have uh, routable traffic to every other device? Um,
2: No, doesn't need to be.
1: The Uh, IPv6 still, I mean, IPv6 is still a really great solution for really large networks. And um, I, I, what I've seen so far, still uh, with uh, network providers, is they. Um, ISPs, they're still fighting building really large networks. They, you know, uh, my local provider Comcast still has private IPv uh, IPv4 non-routable, and will continue to only support that. Um, they provide it coming out of the gateway IPv6, but interior four, not non-routable. So I. I'd be surprised if they would change that approach. Um, I, I think for nothing else than just for the security aspect of it's good to have um, uh, running domains um, where um, some devices just naturally can't get out and um, and are non-addressable from outside the network.
4: Um, well, you you it, can still do that with IPv6. Uh, it's just uh, sure. in terms of looking, that security in terms of network segmentation, you look at, at it in terms of firewall rules. I'm sure. Dropping traffic. Yeah,
1: I just, um, I know uh, Seth Schoen. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Um, um, in fact, I was just talking to him about this last week. Um, he's He's been proposing uh, some, uh, this is kind of orthogonal, but um, him and, uh, 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 John Gilman, are proposing making some of the non-routable IPv4 um, address space routable. Um, and uh, oh. basically, yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> no. proposing that stuff at ITF, and then, uh, everyone's just like, you guys have lost your freaking minds. <laughs> yeah, Don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. to,
4: to be honest, is, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like using non-routable IPv4 for security was a misstep like it yeah. it 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 certainly worked at the time but now we're at the same point as with the password rules like we 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 had password yeah. complexity rules and, and now we realize like no we 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 enforced the the wrong habits and and, and sure. we we did the same with ipv before i think like we like network segmentation should not be equal to security and and that's why we have the, the, <laughs> these other uh, complex intrusion detection systems and 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 data situation prevention, etc., uh, that we need to layer on on top of IPv4
3: because we, yeah. we realize it's not enough. Yeah, no, that's uh, unfortunately, that's it's, the history of that's the history of IT. I mean, V VMs are a fix for you know broken software design and uh, at the OS level and at the application level. We don't we don't need VMs. So containers. A, that's right. right. I mean, my, my, my argument for around containers is that it allows programmers to ship crappy
4: code, right? Because, um, right. (laughs) You know, you know, and if, you know, if you're, you know, if your container flops over and dies, well, you just respawn it and you just move on with your life. You know, that's, that's crappy code. in, in, uh, in, In defense
0: of the, the crappy programmers like me out there in the world. Um, a lot of I, I've run in several cases where it's actually OS kernel code that prevents you from uh, 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 migrating. So it's 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 not just the software; it's also the OS yeah. and
3: and, and that linkage.
1: But it also allows for innovation because without the that abstraction, um, innovation would be very difficult. Once you uh, personal we've all had in various forms personal experience of a box that's in a pizza box that's in the wrong rack attached to the wrong uh, switch and um uh, on the or maybe even on the wrong row <laughs> and instead of actually changing something the call goes out to well why don't we just move it you know just physically move that bad boy over to that other place you know the guys in the data center will do that, and then once you start that, suddenly now it's a weekly occurrence. Of well, it's easier just to move it. So now, instead of moving it, we can actually so. put it in a container.
0: So, but yeah. I want to I want to pull this pull this back into the edge to the edge application piece. And and interestingly, I don't think we're far off from what the edge application needs are. I think what we've what we're what what we're saying here is that there there are so many operational details to consider to build an oper an edge environment that it's it's hard to even consider what an edge application would
2: be it starts it starts to bring into focus the notion that there is a convergence of infrastructure from networks operating systems all the way up through the uh, through the application that you're placing on there and without attention to that kind of operational and administrative attention, you really can't build or design an edge app or think about edge apps without those considerations. It's, you know, maybe it's edge DevOps if you want to think of it that way, but it's still still an, an approach that you, know, you you want to start with that as a foundation. Now start, I think what you're trying to do, Rob, and, and with good reason is let's assume that some of that infrastructure issue is taken care of, or that you can you've you've right. addressed it. What is it about the designs what is it about the operation of something at the edge that really recommends its remaining there at the edge in full on operations you know in GA yeah right or if you can do it what how
0: would that application grow
2: is growth a, is growth a precondition for success here Really good question,
0: um, yeah, I don't mean grow in the like Amazon dominates the world growth model what what I mean is that the the application that's there becomes part of a shared data plane to Sean's point, and that that so
2: it becomes kind of, it becomes it becomes part of the ecosystem, it becomes part of the it, it's something that you expect. Do you have a reasonable expectation for it to be there and for your for your use at the edge?
0: Yeah, I mean to 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 Mark's point about like a, a smart an edge an edge control plane in a factory. Right now, right, my understanding of, of 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 manufacturing systems is they're really islands with minimal interconnect between them. And what what I see where I see edge actually becoming. You know, a a powerful environment is when those systems become interconnected, and you can say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna put more sensors in my system, because if I have more sensors or more cameras watching the line or things like that, then I can feed the data coming from those systems into all of my other systems and improve the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the 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 thing that I when I when I talk about edge applications, the thing that keeps making it feel like we're not even close is when each person's edge system, each company's edge system, doesn't talk to other edge systems in the same environment. No. Um, I mean, because at that point, you're just, you're doing parallel, it's, it's OT parallel processing stuff. You're never, you're never creating um, an integrated system of, uh, you know, to the, the accelerated benefits of having a bigger sensor network or more compute power none of that none of that actually translates right
2: if you if you took a couple of step back steps back and looked at the way in which um mobile telephony
1: hmm. works
2: and is set up uh are you encouraged or discouraged by the notion that um in many cases those cell operations have to be you know, and should be considered edge applications that have to function under a variety of conditions. Um, very often, they don't talk to one another. I mean, does does um, Sprint's uh, or you know T-Mobile talk to Verizon at the uh, at the edge? And is that a requirement? Should they be? Should they be? uh, encouraged, is there an incentive for them to do that?
1: Uh, that
0: that, it's interesting. That isn't the place where I was, where I was, I was thinking that they could be deeper. Yes, they should be, but I was thinking they could be deeper vertically and there's a whole bunch of hands raised. So I will, I will hold my thought. And what,
2: what, well, before you go, what does deeper vertically mean? Deeper vertically
0: would mean that inside of one of the provider's networks, I would be able to integrate my phone to an application running on their network and offload processing to, right? So, so right, part of the vision to me of Edge is to be able to say, all right, my device is backended by, you know, offloaded compute capacity, and then connected to other and this is where you you come in so so to me just being able to say all right my device is actually going to be you know minimal it's it's not going to keep adding capacity which is not the, what we see but it's going to the, the capacity of my device has a has a limit to what I can carry i'm going to make it a more powerful computer by backending it with additional application capacity processing that'll run on the tower or at, at the near tower so that my phone could do really significant, powerful things analytically that I, I'm not going to carry with me. Okay. That would be amazing. I, we're not there. We're not even close to there. Um, and then to make it do even more amazing things, I want my phone to be able to connect to stuff around me, which might require it to then cross networks Right, that my 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 AR vision keeping the floor for a second. My AR vision of my phone doing being my AR like this is going to drive my AR headset. I'm pretty convinced of that. When I look around, it's going to be interacting with devices that aren't on. They'll be on my Wi-Fi network, but they're not on the five G network if I'm out of the house. Um, and so, the devices that I'm interacting with in the environment to make that work. Have to be able to have high interconnect back to the application. Likely not on my phone. That's driving my AR experiences, and then follow that application is going to follow me around cell to cell, Mm -hmm. right? I I don't think we're even, you know, working with Telcos, I I think we're pretty far from that vision. Um, It doesn't mean it won't happen one another a different way, but. You know, the right now, the path is we're just going to make better and smarter and, you know, bigger cell phones to handle We're going to be strapping little PCs on our back to handle our augmented <laughs> reality experience. <laughs> All right. And Mark. Sure. Um,
3: yeah. I, I, and it's funny because I uh, in hearing you explain, Rob, I actually went um, one direction and then pulled back and went another direction. Um, but, you know, when I when I think about the home. I'm torn in two directions. One is, uh, the only way to get sort of like the IPv4 discussion is like, what do you do to solve for a pragmatic environment as opposed to a, um, the best fit environment. So today, the best way to get the most from your phone or your laptop or your iPad or whatever other devices you have is to have them all be long to one vendor. Right. And, um, I don't I don't I don't like that idea. I don't know if that's the right approach for homes, but I don't like that idea. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've I've been pushing since uh, I was at Ericsson. And every time we had conversations within Ericsson and with our phone operators, I kept telling them the same thing is I don't know how you keep talking about edge when edge for you means the southwest, southeast Atlantic. That's not the edge. The edge is wherever people need to be. And so if you're building something unique for the Southeast Atlantic, um, what happens when people make it to Kentucky or Ohio? Then can, he, can they transfer to the next uh, environment? Will that environment support it the same way, same policies, same governance? Um, and so I, I, I think long-term, our only answer is to solve for that problem. The problem of, um, uh, that I talked to Derek Collison about when I was still at um, Appsera, which is the you know, the bullet train and being able to continue to do the work you're doing, whatever it happens to be, across whoever's network happens to provide you the best performance and capacity and latency wherever you happen to be for that 10 seconds.
2: So it's the it's the notion of the handoff, it's the it's the you know mobile IP as it was originally conceived um, those types of issues underlying and then an agreement amongst the various
3: providers. That's right. I don't see, I mean, when I, I'm just a little guy. So, you know, the fact that I said this to um, senior execs at Ericsson doesn't mean shit, right? I, I'm not, I wasn't a <laughs> VP, I wasn't a GM. I was just a little guy there at Ericsson. But I wrote a long ass report, it was like 30 pages, long for me anyway, non-college graduate, anything over five pages is a, is a thesis for me. Um, uh, uh, but um, you know, I wrote this 30 page report telling them how they needed to get in bed with their enemies. They needed to get in bed with Nokia, they needed to get in bed with Samsung. Uh, I, I left out Huawei, because that was just a little bit too delicate, especially at the time. But um, I said, the only way you're really going to expand this market and not just be a bit supplier to what happens to the market is by leading the opening of the market. Leading the opening of the market would be creating this transparent platform that is the world that allows people to work and manage their needs wherever they happen to be. Um, And the siloed environment that they continue to sell into and support uh, in their customers was the antithesis to that?
4: It, this hooks in into the conversation that we had uh, on Tuesday about standards and de facto standards. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, we, we see that, for example, in, in, in the in the, in the, in the monitoring and, and tracing world, where uh, two, even three years ago, you, you had multiple standards. You had Sipkin, you had Jaeger, all kinds of different protocols. And now, everyone and uh, literally everyone has standardized on open telemetry and it's great because you can now produce your 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 telemetry in any application and you know that you can send it to any backend and it's and it's able to process it yeah it's wonderful and and yeah the same needs to happen again on on edge as well uh just wanted to go back a a little bit further though to to what, what you were saying about. Again, manufacturing and and, and and these disconnected systems. Um, just w- want to put on like maybe the the, the skeptic hat and, and and throwing a bit of caution uh, there in, into there. If we start connecting these systems, how can we prevent coupling them? <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so, so I'm just taking taking this as keep a problem, going, for example, with,
4: with with managing infrastructure with Terraform. I mean I, I can I can have a Terraform module that, that produces some output and have another module that, that depends on that output. Or I can have the second modules just get some get some data resources that, that, that looks at the environment and and, and and builds based on that. So taking that to the manufacturing, aspect, I would see it as a much safer approach that instead of coupling them via by, uh, by via connected data, I i would couple them with sensors. So have a, one aspect had take input from a sensor that watches the other one.
2: Uh, I'm not sure I understand how that could you could you run through that once more, Klaus? Because I missed
4: Oh, sorry. So, so again going going to the manufacturing aspects right? let, let, let's say we, we have two stages of a manufacturing pipeline one that produces parts and another one that assembles it uh, and they're currently decoupled unaware of each other so now, Rob's proposal was to was to, to use an edge interconnect to, to have the, the second aspect the, the second stage. Um, get data from the from the first one to to say, uh, or get data that the first one emits to to, yeah. for example, adjust its assembly speed based on 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 how the how fast the
2: the parts are so being manufactured. You're getting operational data from the first that that right. basically directs the op, directs the the settings of the parameterization of the second. Right. Okay.
4: So now, what I worry about is. The coupling of, of of that data, so you the 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 assembly is now dependent on getting that data from 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 the the parts manufacturing stage. Uh, mm-hmm. Contrast that, for example, in instead to having in the assembly uh, depend on sensors that say watch the the warehouse uh, the immediate warehouse where, where the the manufacturing sends its parts to say, okay, I have this many parts available. and um, I, I can just adjust my speed based on, on that.
2: So are you, are you talking about instrumenting the first process in a fashion that um, would kind of look like sensors as opposed to getting some sort of single flow of, of operational output from it? Is that the is that the distinction?
4: E, yeah. So uh, more specifically, I'm thinking at if the if the the first stage, the manufacturing stage, goes away entirely or, or needs to be replaced wholesale. Yes. Um yeah. how coupled is the, the assembly stage to that manufacturing stage? Can we shift seamlessly from one to another? or 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 not.
0: The, to me this is we've had some good conversations around digital twins.
2: Yeah.
0: Here I I, I think you're right to bring up the con, the question about coupling. Um and I think that you know coupling is complexity is, is a natural state, coupling is a controllable is a controllable state. Right that's something we've we've that's one been one of my takeaways from previous discussions. Um, I, I don't. This is. The, we need to have a way to, to use data flows from other systems without it, and manage the coupling. I don't think you can eliminate it. I think you have to manage it.
2: Well, I, can I ask yeah. what's the what's the design language we have to discuss? Mm. these data flows? Because it sounds like, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, or I've missed it altogether. What Klaus is describing is basically taking as a kind of a fairly monolithic output from the first process, feeding it into the second, and Basically, making the second completely dependent upon that big pipe of varied data about the manufacturing, as opposed to monitoring the manufacturing process using a lot of different and perhaps proxy. Proxy measures, proxy outputs, watching its its operation in an environment like feeding a warehouse, uh, putting it into uh, logistics, things like that, and using that as a way of um, keeping track of and being prepared for forecasting, if you will, what the Resources will uh, will be available for this second process. Am I am I missing your point, Klaus, or is that close? Uh,
4: n- no, I mean, you're not. I mean, I did, uh, we're we're dealing with a with a rather uh, domain specific case here that, that we that we targeted. Right. Uh, more generally speaking, um, I'm I'm looking at the the nature of the signal. So a a not not exactly a a push versus pull kind of thing, uh, but uh, again, like like when you when you look at dealing with inputs and outputs of the system, like the the, the mantra is like uh, like assume that that the input is dirty and and, and do your best to produce clean outputs. Um, I I feel like when we're 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 looking at edge systems and and edge interconnected systems, this becomes much more
2: important. So Uh, would you, again, a paraphrase, but uh, would you then say, rather than being dependent upon one actor's kind of selection of data to share or push to someone else, actually have something else, have that something else be monitoring multiple sources of um, information of data about the origins actions in an ecosystem? How much is it consuming? What is its outputs? What are the varied outputs? Is that it, it, basically treating the first the first system as a to some degree as a black box and looking at its impact on the rest of the 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 ecosystem that it's operating in
4: yes yeah uh, and, and also uh, to, to treat the ecosystem as eventually consistent not not always consistent so you yeah. You, you Yeah. You, you you treat your the data that you receive as signals, but you cannot treat it as the truth because right. it might be out of date. It might be missing some some context.
2: And like any other system, you, you when it goes out of some sort of an equilibrium, your objective is arguably to bring it back into some sort of of a of a state of stability.
4: Yeah, and, I mean. If, if you want to, to look at an example of an extreme edge system uh, let, let's look like at, at space exploration like the, the, the Mars rovers they, they, they're they're inherently an, an edge system because they need to be able, able to work
2: independently but they or, or work with a delay and eventual consistency
4: yeah <laughs> they, they do get instructions from back from NASA NASA yeah, or, right. or, or, or ESA yeah. as yeah. to well, what their next mission is, but then they 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 realize it to, with with a fair amount of
2: independence. Actually, that's a very good that's a very good use of that's a very good model because what you're what you're talking about is something inherent in the infrastructure that basically prevents the kind of immediacy of action and taking of action on the part of you know, a rover on Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So and, and, can I break something and, up? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, so I was just going to bring up that I think one of, uh, for this discussion, a um, uh, slight uh, difficulty in explaining things is that uh, we need to, using the manufacturing concept, is that we have to um, remember that. Uh, Generally, in manufacturing, it's using something uh, similar to a Kanban process where there's lots of independent columns, if you will, um, that uh, have IO that's specific to that work product that comes out of that column. And um, there may be parallel Kanban streams, but it's inherently one is dependent on the other. the manufacturing process, you know, the result of one step needs to be spit out and worked on in another step. Where these other systems that we're talking about, um, the talking about edge, are more like an independent column in that compound process that works independently, has a bunch of its own I/O, and it works independently and doesn't necessarily uh, have any input or output coming out of that out of that. Um, backplane that uh, anything's reliant on. It's independent. So it's muddling those two concepts, you know, one's more agile and one's more Kanban makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of explain what we're talking about. If that makes sense. It
0: it does. Interestingly, I I, I see the manufacturing stuff as, um, as even, even though it's maybe station to station, I see it as, as very flow. Um, But I, I mean, I I think one of the things to me that's missing here, though, is a data sharing platform. Or, you know, a, or a, 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 you know, I I actually like thinking of it as a digital twin. But if I if I had a place, and I, I know there there are pl- people working on this, usually for sensor networks. Um, if if we had a way to say, all right, you know, especially non vendored um, like. Uh, cluster example on um the the um, the way log data or event data is emitted now in standard way so that you could subscribe to it and send it to anybody and then have the analytics done it it feels like we're going to need the same type of of aggregation systems in edge environments, where I could say, "All right, all of the systems I have feed into this this platform, and then I sub- it creates digital twins, and then I subscribe, mm-hmm. and then we're dealing with the oh, wait a second, this data is not not clean. I have an analysis. I have an ecosystem for analytics and cleanups, or this data system doesn't, um, you know, is getting removed, but I have things that depend on it. How do I use my digital twin to stub in the information or provide false?" Echoes of data so that I don't lose what the coupling
2: is, right? It's, it's an abstraction layer.
1: Well, uh, it's a, meta, I, I'm, it's I'm go, I'm a gonna, metadata.
2: It's certainly a metadata lake. It's not, it's not your, it's it's not the primary data in in a great in to a great degree.
4: I, I'm going to throw a, a a controversial buzzword out there for for, 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 for this kind of data sharing, blockchain. <laughs> right. Because uh, you you you're not, you're not only get public distribution of the data, but you also get uh, a degree of verifiability of the data.
2: I'm sorry, you get a degree of what?
4: Verifiability.
2: Uh, well, you or, get or, verifiability <laughs> in terms of what the...
4: Uh, well, attestation as to who yeah, generated right. the data, okay. on and
2: no. uh, it is likely about...
4: to not have been tampered
2: with. <laughs> now you're look. sorry. Well, are, I, you worried, I, are you worried about? Are you worried about it being tampered with, or are you worried about it being uh, accurate to begin with?
0: Yes. Oh <laughs> boy, I'm going to add blockchain <laughs> at you, the Clause. edge into, into our backlog for discussion. Um, I. Oh boy, and we're at the top of the hour, so we're not going to. We don't have this is this I think is a standalone topic, and I'm going to put it in in our next available slot. Yeah, we're going to have. I warned that it was
4: controversial. Controversial. I
0: I, I actually think I I think that there's a lot of merit in what you're describing. If you can decouple popular blockchain
2: from the shared ledger, call it a distributed ledger. Call it a call it whatever you'd like, but. What you're what you're talking about, Klaus, is is verifiable or authenticable uh, data. That is what a certain process or a certain device, a certain sensor actually dropped into the into the into the pool there. That's the verifiable
4: distributed that eventually consistent.
1: I I throw into the mix that um, there's never enough storage for all the data that will be generated. Oh, yeah. Never will be. Never ever will be. There's always a desire for it. But it's in the example I bring up is Mm -hmm. high energy physics work. They've been blowing stuff up for 50, 60 years now. And the data they gather from those experiments 99.99% Ninety nine point nine nine percent of it, in a lot of cases, is is discarded, right? Because they don't have enough storage for it. So they, um, so if they could save one hundred percent of it, they would, but they just don't have the data storage space. Um,
2: All right, there, are, so, there. This is where you know I've been spending a lot of my time, and that whole arena of what do you do on ingest, on data ingest, to Address part of that problem and part of it is almost immediately go into a a form of of deduplication and you do it at a very, very fine grained level. I, I, I understand what you're what you're talking about, Sean, but I. I think, you know, we have a lot of design patterns that just. Don't acknowledge what we have at our, at our beck and call right now. And, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one off on a, on a, <laughs> on a different topic. Sometime.
1: Cool. Well, thanks for the time at, guys. It was fun at the top.
0: This was, this was, <laughs> this was great. I feel like we kept chipping away at the edge boulder. Uh, and so I appreciate the conversations. All right.
1: Got to go. Cheers guys. Cheers. A good one.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. these edge conversations are super challenging because there is so much to be done, so many missing pieces to the whole edge application structure that it, it really becomes a circular conversation. We need a shared data plane to make edge applications work, but we need better controls and application and things like that. And until then, we're gonna keep having more vendor silos. Please join us uh, December, January 20th, 2022 when we talk about edge blockchain. I know you will enjoy that conversation. Check it out at the 2030.cloud. See you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently. Because that's what N does. We write software that helps put Uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and, you know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.